Terry. <laughs> Terry from Norcross is going to tell a story. I'm going to tell you a story about my father, but i got to give you some background so you kind of get a feel for things. My father was born in West Tennessee in a little town called Eaton, little bitty town. On his uh, maternal side, uh, his grandfather was a magistrate court judge, and he was a state senator uh, for West Tennessee. In fact, I hadn't seen him, but my aunt was there recently. If you go in the Tennessee State House, his picture is on the wall there. Uh, he headed up the uh, West Tennessee delegation. He passed away back about somewhere around 1950. I never knew him, but he was a little short guy. Uh, he had whooping cough when he was a child, and he wound up short with a hunched back and all, and his brothers and sisters decided he never would be able to work on the farm. He wasn't big enough. So they sent him to Bethel College where he got a law degree. And uh, he did pretty well. On, the, on my paternal side, my great-granddaddy Bowie, my father's grandfather, he was a uh, blacksmith, and he also, the early part of the century, when the telephones came through, he maintained the telephone lines and did it uh, from a motorcycle. And switchboard was in the house. My grandmother, she ran the switchboard. <clears throat> My father, when he was about eight years old, he had, now this is a story, the best storyteller ever seen was my uh, paternal grandmother, Clara Bell Bowie. She could tell the best stories you ever heard. And a lot of these things that I know she told me about, but when Daddy was about eight years old, he had infantile paralysis, I believe is what they called it. So from the time he was eight to he was nine years old, he couldn't walk. And uh, I've heard some of them talk about Grandma used to wag him around on her hip, you know. So anyway, at nine years old, he got back where he could walk. Well, him and the Taylor boys, and I found out later, the Taylor boys was his cousins. They was hopping freight trains. They was going all over the country. They had joined circuses. And uh, like I say, this is probably 10-year-old boys, you know. And uh, they was everywhere all the time. And so I remember one time my grandmother said that the sheriff down in New Orleans said that they had picked Robert up down there and... Uh, if they would send some money, they'd send him home on the bus. So he did. But through all his running around and everything, he always made it home for Christmas. Always. And anyway, and he got a little bit older, they had the Civil Conservation Corps. Y'all have heard of the three C's. Well, he went off on that, and part of the deal on the Civil Conservation Corps was that you had to send, I think it was about two-thirds of your paycheck home to your family. He always made it there in time for the check, spent the money, and went back. <laughs> so my grandmother told me, she said, she looked out down the lane one day and said, here come Robert Bigfoot and down the lane. And she says, Robert, what are you doing at home? It ain't time for your check. He said, Mom, I'm joining the Marine Corps. So <clears throat> it's real interesting that my grandmother always talked to her father the lawyer about every decision and everything. So she said, let's go downtown, let's talk to Dad. So they went downtown and talked to him. 
She was going to have to sign for him. He lied about his age and everything else. In 1939, he went in the Marine Corps when he was 15 years old. But anyway, when she asked her daddy what to do about it, he says, well, at least you'll know where he's at. Sign up for him. So she did. He went in the Marine Corps, 15 years old. And uh, I guess sometime after boot camp or whatever, he got a letter or telegram from the Red Cross that, uh, well, first let me say this, he had sent her a card, said, I'll see you at Christmas, Mom, here's 10 bucks. So after that, he got a telegram from the Red Cross that he had went AWOL, and they said, you know, he's underage and all this stuff and everything, so we can let him out of the Marine Corps. Uh, it's what you want to do. So, of course, she went downtown and talked to her dad about it. And he told her, he said he wanted to be in the Marine Corps, leave him in there. So he wrote her a letter said, send me $10, Mom, I'm going in the brig. <laughs> so anyway, he wound up, I think he was in the Marine Corps about 12 years. Uh, he wound up as an aide to some admirals. He, he served the duration of World War II in the Pacific. But you know, as an aide, you're basically a bodyguard. And he said that was the scariest job he ever had. Because he had to open all the admiral's mail and everything. But but uh, <clears throat> anyway, he lived a pretty interesting life. And uh, like I say, uh, and his side of the story when he went AWOL was he had met some girl down in Miami. And he missed the ship headed for Guantanamo Bay. And that's how he wound up AWOL. But, but uh, like I said, I think it was about a dozen years he's in the Marine Corps. Spent the duration in the Pacific. Came back. He uh, was in the Korean War, and uh, the, when he got out, uh, he had four children, and they was going to send him to, uh, back to Japan, I think it was part of the occupational forces. He'd been away from his family enough, so he got out of the, the Marine Corps, and then he served nine more years in the Air Force Reserve. So that's my story. <laughs>